Hey, everybody. Welcome to this week's episode of So You Want to Get Sober. I'm your host, Mel, and I'm also an alcoholic. This week, I have a dear friend with me. She was there literally day one of my recovery. I saw her, her beautiful curls. She just had exactly what I wanted, and I didn't think that someone could look so cool and be sober. Um, so that was really important for me to see in the beginning that like you can look like a normal person and be trying to get sober. Um, yeah. And she helped me off right off the bat. You know, I've mentioned before that I tried to get sober for 30 days, just couldn't do it, you know, wasn't ready and asked to be my sponsor. And she said, yes. And, um, no, no bullshitting her, you know, it's, it's really easy to tell when someone is still in their disease. And I was definitely still in my disease, um, and broke up with her as a sponsor so I could keep drinking And then went off to rehab. And the cool thing about this program and the people in this program is that she didn't turn away when I was like, Hey, sorry, I can't do this. Like, I think I, I don't remember what I said. I was drunk, (laughs) but, um, you know, she, I let her know I was going to rehab once I was finally ready, you know, had that convo with God. And she sent me, she asked me what I needed and she sent me toothpaste, socks, and a shit ton of Sour Patch Kids to rehab. So there's no resentments in this program, which is great. So without further ado, he's Hi, thanks for having me, Mel. It's good to be here. Um, Yeah, so should I just kick it off, like, with how it all goes? Okay. So I'm I'm an alcoholic. Uh, My sobriety date is February 26, 2019. I recently celebrated 18 months. Um, and I am, I mean, I am so grateful for AA. It's, you know, we say that it's one day at a time here and my relationship to it has changed over the last 18 months. I sponsor a little differently than I did my first, you know, I started sponsoring right away. I had four months when I started sponsoring, but as I've changed, that's changed. My relationships have changed. But truly today, I mean, one of the things that I was thinking about earlier was that, you know, there's so much going on in the world. Like a lot of heavy shit is going on. And if I walk outside right now, I can talk to anybody on the street about what's going on in the world. And we would have something in common, which is that things are really hard right now. And so these people who, you know, aren't, are, maybe are sober, maybe are not, I don't know them, but these people who I don't have AA in common with, I can relate to on this level of things are really heavy. But when I come into a meeting, what I get to relate to people on is a solution. And it's not just a solution to alcoholism, though it's that, it's a solution for life. And what I've noticed for myself is, you know, one of our, one of the things our literature says is that, you know, our reaction to life changes and my life has gotten bigger and my reaction to the big and the small stuff has changed. Um, And it's really miraculous to me. Like I did not believe that I could be the woman that I am right now to people or to myself, like really and truly. And, you know, one of the things that I'll say, and then I'll dive into, you know, what it was like for me before all of this is that who I was before didn't, I didn't believe that I had the capacity to deal with the things that I, that I'm able to move through now. And 
you know, when I would bump up against pain, because I, because that person who I was, was unable to process it or deal with it or, you know, whatever I would drink and I would use. And what this program has given me is it's, it's enabled me to reach deep and find a higher version of myself that actually has a much greater capacity for pain. And not only do I have capacity for pain, but I have capacity for joy in a way that I did not like believe was available before. Um, and what's truly interesting and just something that I didn't think was possible is that those two things, pain and joy, can coexist for me now, which they were unable to do before. That is what I've been focusing on for the past couple months is my ability to feel so deeply. Mm -hmm. I've never, I realized now that I've never felt things more than surface level, even in early sobriety, I'm finally getting to like the deeper parts where feelings will last for days or weeks or months. That's not just depression. You know, I, I've been talking with my therapist and I'll label any single emotion. I'll say it's depression. I'll say I'm feeling, what did I say the other day? Exasperated. That's a really good one that I like to use when really what I'm feeling is grief. Mm -hmm. Um, and being able to sit with it and move through it and not want to run away uh, is something that has never occurred to me before. And I would not have been able to get to this level that I'm at. And this is just the beginning for me if it weren't for sobriety. You know, I, I was always really quick to feel my feelings, but like be drunk and emotional um, or, you know, the shame. It would all be like quick, quick feelings and they would last like maybe a couple hours or a day or two. Um, and then off to the next thing. And now it's like, I can feel, and that is something that is, that is difficult, honestly, to be able to like feel so deeply, especially during these times. So you're right. I mean, you know, I think the majority of alcoholics and addicts are empaths for sure. <laughs> That's why we drink was to tune out what the fuck is going on with everybody all the time. And we don't have that option anymore, nor do I want that option because there's other people, you know, I haven't seen you in months and you, you started talking and almost started crying because I can relate, you know? Um, and that's really special. I have not had any other relationships with people like I have in AA um, because we're focused on, yes, this is really hard, but like, we're not going to sit and wallow. Let's talk about it and then move through it. And that is pretty, pretty incredible. <laughs> So anyways, thanks for sharing exactly what I've been dealing with, you know, and feeling multiple feelings at the same time where I can, I can be grieving and then also be experiencing joy. You know, they're multifaceted, which is crazy to me. So anyways, now I would love to hear your story. <laughs> okay. Oh yeah. It's wild. It's like, you know, and this is stuff that I started to realize and I still, you know, I have 18 months. I still consider myself new to all of this, but you know, I, I had these realizations earlier than now and the depth of it is just like continues to, to increase as time goes on, which is really amazing. Um, you know, like I'll tell you my drinking was kind of boring, <laughs> you know, like I, but here's like, here's the interesting stuff for me is, so I had my first drink. I was 18. My parents were really strict. I wasn't allowed to do anything. Um, I went to my first party when I was like a junior or senior in, in high school. And, um, and immediately I drank different than other people. And that's like one of the, the things for me that I look at and I'm like, whoa, I was 
immediately different. I handled my alcohol, the way that I drank was fast and in large quantities. Um, and I was drunk like almost immediately. Like I didn't have to drink as much as I drank because my body reacted to alcohol differently than the people around me. Um, and you know, within, I think, man, it was like 15 minutes. I had downed like a handful of drinks and I was off to incomprehensible demoralization, you know, like right away. Um, and you know, you talked about this before, like just sort of sucking ourselves out of the present. I drank to blackout. There was no, um, I didn't even want like the fun buzz. I wanted to get out of reality. And so most of the time that led to me getting very sick because I drank more than my body could actually handle, you know? And so I would vomit (laughs) a lot and it was not fun, but I would continue to do it. Um, And so when I went away to college, I... um, I discovered substances beyond alcohol that enabled me to black out sooner. Um, and so there's drugs in my story. There's quite a bit of, um, you know, like, and I, you know, I went through college, I had a 0.9 GPA my first semester. Like I didn't even know you can get below 1.0. You can. Um, and And then, you know, it kind of just went on like that up and down though, you know, like I'd have these periods and these were the moments where the idea of alcoholism never, ever crossed my mind during those years. What I, what I real, what I would say is like, I just need to build up my tolerance. Like, so my solution to drinking too much was drinking more. Like if I could just build up my tolerance, then I could drink the way I want to drink and it won't impact me the way that it impacts me. Um, You know, I moved to New York in my early 20s. Um, There I discovered cocaine, which was like a lovely addition to my life. Um, So then I didn't have to black out because I was able to feel comfortable with myself because I had this mix of two substances. Um, you know, I hung out in New York for, you know, five and a half years as an adult. I was born there. I didn't grow up there. And, um, and then I started, then it started to shift and, you know, it started to get darker. Like my experience with myself started to get darker and I started to really feel, um, like this, spiritual longing that like, like it started to become different. You know, it's in the beginning, it was like, I want to have fun, but I also want to be sucked out of the present. I don't want to know what's going on. And then it started to become like this emptiness. Like I started to acknowledge that there was this emptiness that I was trying to fill and it was insatiable. Um, and so my solution to that was to move to California you know, like I blamed it on New York. I thought it was the winter. I thought it was the, you know, the people. I thought it was the lack of nature. And I moved to San Francisco in 2014. And within three months, I was blacked out on a corner in the marina um, after drinking like, I don't know, for like eight hours straight or something, something like that. And um, went home with a stranger um, woke up very upset in a place that I didn't recognize. And a friend suggested 
that I tried to stop drinking for six months. And that was the first time that I ever, and they're not, they're not an alcoholic. So they just thought, take a break, you know? And so that was the first time I ever tried to stop drinking. And it was really, really hard. And I was miserable and I was mean. And I was irritable and I was restless and I was discontent. And I didn't understand why. Because I thought that if I took alcohol out of the equation, that I would feel better and I felt worse. And that was really, really interesting to me. Um, And then I went... So then I went on Tinder because I needed a distraction. And what ended up happening is I matched with somebody who was sober. And... This person was sober in AA and I got a glimpse into what sobriety looks like. And while I thought I really liked this person, what was happening was that I wanted what they had. And I didn't, I didn't have that language until I got to the program, you know, but I, you know, they showed up on time. They did the things they said they were going to do. They didn't miss work. Um, they made their bed. It was, you know, they had some integrity and I was not familiar with that. And the people who were in my life at the time didn't have a lot of integrity because they were a lot like me. So I didn't last six months. I think it was probably, I was probably about a month or so of like maybe three weeks of not drinking. Um, and it was, it was moments like that that had me think that there's no way I had a problem because I could go a little while without drinking. Um, and I could, you know, even though I was miserable, even though I was having a terrible time, I could do it, you know? And my idea of alcoholism or alcoholics were that they woke up and they had a drink right away. And therefore I was not one because I didn't do that. I drank differently than that. Um, so, I hit my bottom, my first bottom in 2017. Um, And man, I mean, that was, it was the worst time of my life ever. Like I was very suicidal. Um, I don't know what kept me alive. I was in um, a serious psychosis from drugs and alcohol. I was afraid of my ceiling. Um, I would leave my apartment to go to work and I would come back three times to check the bathtub to make sure nobody was hiding in it. Um, I was terrified of everything. Um, I was really, really afraid of life and I was paranoid and it was an awful, awful time. I was under drug investigation at work. Um, and you know, I, I was dating somebody at the time who drank and used like I did. And um, that really brought me to, to the bottom in a way that I didn't realize was possible. And so I stopped seeing that person. And I, again, like stopped using and drinking for, for a while. And, um, and my body started to heal because I wasn't putting things into it, but my, but my mind didn't heal. And I was still very spiritually sick, as we like to say. Um, 
And so if you fast forward, I found another job because again, you know, I, I pulled a geographic on work instead. And I said that it was the job that was causing me all of this stress that I was paranoid because of the people that I worked with. It couldn't have been anything that I was actually doing, but I was going to take a break from it because my body needed a rest and I just needed to reset. So I started this new job and, um, I promised myself that I wouldn't drink with coworkers. And so, um, but I did. <laughs> and then I, that led to, um, that led to me drinking too much with coworkers. And that led to me at um, a company outing where we went to Sonoma and I drank 10, 10 hours straight the first day that we were there. And I ended up that evening at a table with our CFO. I was very drunk. Um, and I noticed that he was not drinking as he was sitting across from me. And I had two glasses of wine in front of me. And I said, do you not drink because you don't like alcohol or do you not drink because you're in a program? And mind you, AA had been recommended to me a number of times at this point. And I was always like, what is this weird recommendation for me to go to this alcoholic program? Like I did not get it. I was like, I know I need therapy, you know, but like, how, how could anybody think I'm an alcoholic? Like I was in such delusion around it. So my CFO, not drinking, I asked him that question and he says to me, how do you know about programs? And I said, well, you know, I, you know, I've read about them. I've checked a couple out. Um, they've been recommended. <laughs> um, and he started to tell me a story and he was sober like 25 plus years. Um, you know, I don't remember. It's funny. I don't, I, I remember more of what he said now because I actually ended up having him speak for me when I secretaried a meeting. Um, but I was drunk that night. So all I remember, all I remembered was like, this man is sober. Um, that didn't stop me. I blacked out every day for the next three or four days. But when I went back to the office on Monday, I took him to coffee and I told him that I was ready. And he sent me to my first meeting. And so I went to my first meeting and he had told me actually to look for this woman who had like over 30 years. And I did. And she was there because in AA, we show up, you know, like somebody says, Hey, I have a newcomer coming to a meeting. Like, can you make sure that you're at that meeting to meet them? they're there, like we're there, you know, it's amazing. And I have never been that person for other people until I got into this program and until I learned how to use the tools that we offer. Um, and so today here's like the wild thing, right? Like I hit my bottom in 2017 at this job, right? Blamed it on the job, whatever. I work there again. You know, I work at that job. I have an amazing job at that company. Um, and I'm doing something totally different than I was doing back then. I'm actually, I write for them now. Um, and I never thought I'd be able to write. Like that's what I've always wanted to do. And I, I'm a writer now, right? And, I, and it's amazing. And my amends to that company is that I show up and I get the job done because that was not me before. Um, I also, I recently 
decided to take some space from San Francisco, just like, you know, I'm, I have, I have the, um, privilege of being able to work from home and also having a job right now. And I came to Asheville and I've been spending time here. And the thing about being in this program is that I'm here and I have instant community. You know, I go to a meeting, I tell women like, Hey, I'm new here. I really need to connect. And I have 30 phone numbers from today, you know, like that is the type of things I have access to. And I'll say like, not all of these people are going to be my people, right? Like there's going to, there might be three though, that I really like, (laughs) you know? And like, but, but the truth is, is that if I need to talk to somebody or if I'm feeling isolated, any single one of them will likely take my call. Um, and I am that for other people now too. Um, I want to just touch on some of the... So I came into AA a year and a half ago and I was in so much debt that I had accepted that that would be my life. Um, I just was like, you know what? What's debt anyway? It's not real. <laughs> you know, like it's fine. Um, we have this, you know, we have this thing, it's called the ninth step promises. It's promises that happen. Like after you move through your ninth step, they're very real. They've been very real for me. Um, I've been able to pay off almost all of my debt in the last year and a half. Um, I'm in really good financial standing. I never thought I'd have like a decent credit score again. Um, my relationships have changed. My parents trust me. Um, people reach out to me for help who aren't in AA. People reach out to me for support who um, admire the type of person I am. They don't like my boss trusts me. She doesn't even know that I'm sober in AA, you know, like, but I am a totally different person. And I'll just end by saying that, um, you know, I think one of the biggest mindset shifts, and it's so real, you know, it's not even like, it's not like some of this is fake it till you make it, but it really does work that way, you know? But for me, like I came in and I was like total mindset set of scarcity of just like, let's focus on the lack and like what I don't have. And this idea that like, there wasn't enough for me, you know, like if somebody else had something that I wanted, it didn't mean that it was possible. It meant that it was unattainable now because somebody else had it. And that like has completely transformed for me. And that when I meet women and I, you know, especially women who are living lives that I admire, I, I get to see it as a possibility and I get to admire them for who they are. And I get to ask them how, you know, and trust that like God's in that conversation. Um, and God's in all my relationships. And, you know, I say God for shorthand, it's easier than saying like this big thing that I don't understand, but like, I, you know, it's, I, I don't know exactly what it is. It's exactly what I just said, something, a great mystery, you know, it's a really, it's a great mystery, but it's present. Um, and yeah, Mel, thank you so much for, um, for inviting me on your podcast. You're so cool. You're the cool one. <laughs> I'm like, so super exciting. Um, I love knowing you. Super, I mean, super inspired by everything that you are. Um, And I've loved having you in my life. And, you know, like women like you make me want to stay. So thank you. Yeah, you know, 
I'm just going to touch. I know you have to, she's going to go meet some of these women in the program to build her community in Asheville. So we'll have this as a short episode, but you know, I shared that in my home group this week. They're like, you know, talk about how you're doing. And I was like, I even said like, how honest do I want to be right now? <laughs> I'm like, I'm debating how honest I want to be to you guys. And I guess that means I have to be really honest. And I have that scarcity. I feel that scarcity right now about, you know, why does this woman have the baby and the marriage and the friends, the friendships where, you know, everyone just looks like they have so much abundance and I don't. And I know that that's an old narrative that I'm telling myself, but um, it's been really difficult for me to shake for like the past month. So, you know, hearing your solution to that, you know, is that looking at what these other women have are an opportunity to know that there's more space. Like I have that space. It's not like it's taken from me. It's possibility. It's just like, there's so much possibility, you know? Possibility. Yeah. Yeah. But I've been really living in that, you know, in that scarcity of like, well, where's my high paying job? You know, I want to save money. <laughs> Even when you were talking, I'm like, okay, I can, I can, I can get financially secure. Like I can get that, you know? Um, so thank you for sharing that. I really needed to hear that today. And that, you know, my life has already expanded so much already. It's, I can't forget what's happened the past year, you know, and it's continuously expanding. So, um, yeah, I re- thank you for coming on and sharing your story. I think it's incredibly impactful. You know, I chose you as my first sponsor cause I was like, fuck, she gets it, you know? Um, and look at, look at where we are now. It's pretty cool. It is cool. I just want to also say like, you know, so you like, you will save money. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be 35 next month, right? Like there's like an age gap here. I never thought that I would be in the situation I'm in now. And like one thing that really helps me just like, as I move through this process, because when it, when it's good, it's great. Right. But when it's not great, I forget that it was ever good. Exactly. And and (laughs) so like, I remember when you got your apartment And I remember like what it was like leading up to that and how like there was fear and there was uncertainty and like, you didn't know how you were going to find something that was affordable and also spacious. And then I remember when you found it and like how magical that was. And so for me, like I have to bookmark those moments because like, because they, they feel much more fleeting than the hard stuff, you know? And so like when I'm in a really good time, I'm like bookmark this, bookmark this. Cause the truth is, is like a week later, I might be in a total shithole. Like, because that's just how it goes. Cause that's life. And like, you know, for me at least, life is really hard. Like I have my, um, I experience things on a deep, deep level. Right. And so some, something that somebody else might be like, it's a blip, you know, which it is. I experience it as a fucking earthquake, you know? And so like, I just have to continuously say, remember that time that things were hard and God had my back. Remember that time when like things were really good and I felt the presence of my higher power. And I have to constantly like go back to those things. So yeah, that's all I got. Yeah. Well, thanks. I appreciate it. Go meet those women. (laughs) Yes, I will. Thank you so much. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. And I look forward to next week's episode.